Hey everyone, welcome to the Force Come Frontline. I'm Ashley and I'm your host. Today we are starting our two-part series for Suicide Prevention Month. In this episode, we are going to talk with a soldier who has struggled with depression and alcoholism, but finally found the courage to speak up and reach out for help. Chief Warrant Officer 3, Joel Rivera, has been in the Army for 19 years. He is a third-generation soldier, and being in the Army, he said, is literally all he's ever wanted to do. Throughout his time, he has held numerous leadership positions, excelled at his job, and then earlier this year was arrested for an alcohol-related incident. The alcohol he had been using to cover up his issues at home and his ongoing depression had finally caught up with him. For years, Joel avoided behavioral health. He didn't want to dig into his problems, but more so, he didn't want his command to see his struggles. But following his arrest, Joel entered into an inpatient rehabilitation facility for depression and alcoholism for 32 days. But I'm not going to tell any more of Joel's story. I'm going to let him do that. Welcome, Joel. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Hey, thanks, Ashley. I appreciate you having me. I'm going to start by just saying thank you for being so open to sharing your story. I, uh, I, This is really important, and, and I hope that by you sharing your story that maybe some other soldiers might step up and tell their stories as well. Definitely. So let's start by talking about what you do in the Army, because currently you're assigned to CASCOM, so you're not technically a force comm soldier, but you're a capabilities developer on the Supply Functional Integrated Concept Team with CASCOM Enterprise Service Directorate. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so what does all that mean? So uh, I'm a capabilities developer for our GCSSA, you know, supply platform. Um, and my, my piece of that pie is, you know, supply support activity and material management. So uh, pretty much the Walmart of, you know, of the Army. Ah, so, okay. Uh, yeah. So you, you, uh, you order, you know, supply for your shop or repair parts or whatnot. That comes through us and it goes through our web platform. And my job here at CASCOM is to develop improvements for that web, web platform to make, you know, soldier's job or the end user's job a lot easier than, it, is, than ah. it already is. I guess the best way I can explain it is uh, uh, when your PlayStation 4 gets an upgrade. You know, I'm the guy who does the upgrade <laughs> to it. <laughs> so, do you, so do you do like coding and stuff? No, no, I'm not that smart. Oh, so <laughs> I was going to say me neither. <laughs> I, I'll, take, uh, I'll take ideas from the force. And, uh, you know, we'll pitch those ideas to our supervisors and uh, if there's enough, you know, demand out there and if it's a feasible upgrade to the system that we can work, then, yeah, we'll, we'll upgrade it. Ah, okay. So it's, you're uh, you're listening lot, to the customer. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of brainstorming. Um, but it's definitely, uh, it's, it's definitely a pretty decent job. All right. Let's just go right into your story. And I talked about it a little bit, but I don't want to tell it. Can you talk about how you ended up with an arrest and an inpatient rehabilitation and what led you to all of that? Yeah, so uh, right off the bat, I've been in the Army for 19 years now. I'm a third-generation soldier. My, my dad was in for about 23. You wow. know, my, my grandpa was in. You know, my parents met in the Army. <laughs> um, I would have never expected, you know, my life to take the turns that it's taken, but you know, that, that's part of life, yeah. you know, it, things happen and, and you just have to manage through it. A lot of my problems derive from being, you know, in, in the marriage I was in, first of all, holding myself to impossibly high standards in the army, <laughs> uh, is also a, a big thing that, uh, that I've had to deal with and, you know, that I've been working through. And then, you know, with that bad marriage, you know, comes the divorce. 
Right. And then, you know, you, you go through different things to cope with your problems. Well, my, my thing to cope with my issue is drinking or, you know, doing things like volunteering to go to a unit that's deploying so I can <laughs> get out of the situation I was in. Throughout the time, that that kind of weight that you're carrying, it, it catches up to you and it, it'll catch up to everybody. Right. I mean, and, and it caught up to me and it caught up to me in a big way um, to where, you know, my life you know, is revolving around these issues. My coping behavior to fix those issues is to drink and not think about it. Well, I mean, it's probably the worst advice I could have ever given myself. You know, the, the habit of alcoholism in my life, it took everything. And the last thing it took was my career, essentially. Yeah. Um, where I'm getting, a, you know, I was getting arrested as a chief warrant officer three, getting put in the back of a car, taken to a station, made an example of. It didn't have to get to that. It, it, it doesn't have to get like that for anybody. Um, I think uh, a major problem that got in my way was my own foolish pride, uh, <laughs> thinking that, hey, I have a handle on my issues. You know, and, and I think a lot of us believe that our handle on our problems is our chain of command not finding out about them yeah. or people that we're close to finding out about the, uh, about them. And you can only mask that stuff for so long, and eventually right. it'll blow up in your face. And it, it blew up in my face. Okay. And so I think a lot of people at some point or another have felt depressed. But can you talk about what your depression was like? I mean, I've heard somebody say before that it's indescribable. So maybe you can't. But can you give us some sort of sense of what, what you were going through? The best way I can explain it is it's a black hole. It's essentially a black hole every day. You know, there, there are times, yes, you know, I, I'm having a great time. You know, I, I, I love being at work. I love being around my soldiers. But, you know, those were great times in this black hole that, you know, I, you know, that I experienced. Um, being around my son was a great time, you know, in that black hole I was in. Right. Um, but when I lost all that, you know, I lost custody of my son. You know, I did get divorced. And I'm in a position to where I'm not around you know, teammates like you would normally be in your, in your yeah. everyday standard army unit. I, di I didn't feel like I had anything um, except for, you know, my bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and, it, you know, just a lot of loss I, I faced in my career, too. My mom passed away two years ago. You know, a huge thing for me, in addition to getting separated from my ex-wife right. and then going through that custody battle. Um, that was my that was my go to. You know, my mom was always the go-to when, when uh, you know, whenever I needed uh, somebody to talk to. And yeah. losing that was a substantial impact on me. Um, you know, and I lost my father when I was 14 years old. So oh, my goodness. There is a big chunk of my life that just left, yeah. you know, abruptly. Um, I, found, I found out she had cancer in, uh, you know, August, and she was gone by January. So oh, wow. it's like, okay, now I don't know how to cope with a lot of these issues because I would talk, talk to my mom quite a bit. Yeah. So now it goes from having a support system to not having anything at all, you know, and my answer was to just keep drinking and, you know, not worry about it. Yeah. Um, it feels like you're stuck in the mud. And especially when you, when you start feeling guilty about how much alcohol you're putting into your system. You know, now I'm thinking I'm never going to get past that because, you know, it's an addiction. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. Now I feel stuck, you know, and, and you feel like you're not going anywhere. I'm masking all this depression. I'm masking all these issues in my life with superior performance. 
I, I, I'm a standout warrant officer in the Army. You know, I've been a standout every in every command I've been in ever since I was a young soldier, you know, NCO, and now nobody can see my struggles because they think I'm this strong guy, which essentially I, I can still give out good advice and I can still be there for my team, but I'm hiding all this all these problems yeah you know, nobody can nobody can see through this the smoke and mirrors i'm putting out i feel like that's and so important what you just said and i think a lot of people is. do that i think it is very easy to look at somebody at work and say look at this person they're doing awesome they're succeeding at their job every they have everything going for them but you you aren't seeing what's behind that curtain right and and that's one thing one of the things i learned at therapy too was we we kind of you you kind of beat yourself up too because as a, as a as a military leader you know as a leader in the army I'm expected to be a go to if my if my soldiers have issues and yes I'm I'm definitely going to do that but I mean I got to have my stuff together too right. you know it can't just be a one I can't I don't you know it, it got to a point where I was giving out advice and good advice, but I was not applying that to myself either. <laughs> right. So I, I can give advice, but I'm struggling on my own. And I don't get how that made sense to me. I feel and, like you're uh, probably not alone, though. I mean, in a in a smaller sense, just looking back, how many times have you given it? I've given advice to a friend and I've thought, wow, this is this is really good advice, Ashley. But I would never do it. You know, <laughs> just because I've thought, well, you know, that's good for her, but maybe not for me. Yeah, it's 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 weird how how that works. <laughs> um, for example, I could be doing a records review for somebody who's interested in becoming a warrant officer when I'm going through all this damage in my life, and I'm just like, I, I get ha I'm happy when I when I'm able to help somebody out, but then you know, you got to make yourself happy too, and you right. got to work on yourself too. Yeah, and a lot of the times I just don't, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. I was dropping all my problems for everybody else. And you, you got to take care of you. You know, yeah. I tell people all the time at the end of the day, you know, no matter what you do in life, there's nothing more important. If you don't have your sight picture ready or your own head in the game, I mean, you're just masking everything. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah. I'm not going to be any good at anybody if I'm not taking care of myself either. Now. So it's. Oh, sorry. Go on. It's a crazy thing that you can get yourself into. Yeah. Um, with that type of thinking. And it, it, it was dangerous to me because now when I'm out there doing something as dumb as getting arrested for being under the influence. Right. Um, and in a bad situation, it's like all that, all that good advice I'm giving out to all my, you know, my old NCOs and all my soldiers and everybody that I'm around. It, it becomes a, it, it's, it's dangerous because now if I don't have my stuff together, you know, should I be giving this advice? Right. You know? And it, it can be, it can be, it can be a little dangerous. Yeah. Um, it can be. So I, I guess I just put it like that. Yeah. So did you have self-awareness, the self-awareness of yourself to know what you were doing was harmful or did it take you some time to come to that determination? So when you, when you drink a lot, um, your body, your body is going to tell you when you're doing it too much. And all it took was going to get my blood done and having my doctor say, Hey, look, you need to slow down, you know, oh. not doing your body any favors. 
Um, I got hospitalized for uh, high liver enzymes, you know, uh, over a year ago. And that's when I was like, okay, you know, uh, it's getting, it's getting a little too real now. Yeah. You know, you, you can, you can sit there and say, okay, I can mask all my problems with alcohol you want, but you're just creating more. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in hot, and then I'm going to the hospital for withdrawal symptoms, you know, cause I'm withdrawing off alcohol. Now. Yeah. It becomes a problem when I have to drink to feel normal now, you know, that is, right. a, that is a, a huge problem huge issue that is overlooked i think um and now i mean i've been clean for a little while now i can see that in other people yeah so it's like hey i think you know i think you kind of drank a little too much last night you should probably <laughs> take it easy or whatnot um but your body your body's going to tell you and and you know i did a lot of damage to my body and and fortunately you know a lot of this damage was caught early to where, yeah, I'm I'm ten times better now. You know, I'm, my blood is where it needs to be. My enzymes are where they need to be. But your body's going to tell on you first, and, and you can deny it all you want. If you don't start listening to that, that you know, those issues turn to things like cancer, yeah, uh, cirrhosis of the liver. You know, impacts a lot more than you think it's going to impact. Yeah, I I have a family friend who um, they were an alcoholic and they died because of it. I mean, even after a transplant. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really the tipping point. Yeah. Um, That, and just wanting to, once I, once I started getting, getting the counseling and the help, you know, wanting to be physically better is just a part of it. It's going to come. I want to be the guy that lives till I'm like 85. (laughs) I want to see my grandkids. Right. I want to see all this good stuff that I wasn't paying attention to months ago. Um, I want to, I want that to be a part of my life. Well, you can't do that when you're damaging your body. Yeah. Um, if you're not here. And it was, it was, it, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I went to, uh, I was in a class with a gentleman that was about 70, uh, 70 years old. He's a, a retired basketball coach. And I had asked him, I was like, you know, uh, why wait till, you know, you're 70 years old to get sober and whatnot. And he pretty much said, I don't want to go out. Yeah. I don't want to die with, you know, being a, having this stuff on my conscience. Wow. It's like, I, I don't want to be a, 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 an alcoholic and, you know, have my family put me in the grave like that. And it's never too, it's never too, you know, never too never late too soon to quit. Yeah. Never too late to quit. Sorry yeah. about that. But th- those were sticking points in, in me getting physically better as well. I mean, I can honestly say all alcohol ever did for me was, was make my life a wreck. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not the kind of guy that can just have two beers and be okay. That's just not how my brain works. Yeah. So you, you kind of got to pay attention to that. You know, it, it, you got to be self-aware to know that this is developing into a substantial issue. And if I don't do something about it right now, it's going to get worse. And it gets worse in every way. Right. You know, it, everything about my problem impacted my life. Right. You know, everything about my depression was impacting my life as well. So it, it just, it's one and the same. Now, were you suicidal or did you have suicidal ideations at all? There were, I'm not going to, I wasn't suicidal, but there were times that you feel so beat down. And especially when I was hungover, all, you know, all the time, <laughs> um, I didn't really care if I woke up. Okay. You know, it was, it was a scary time. Yeah. You know, it was a scary time for me to be thinking like that. Um, Scary time for my fiance because she didn't know how to manage me. Um, sure. She's my wife now. Well, congratulations. Um, she didn't. I appreciate it. <laughs> she didn't know how to. I guess she didn't know how to deal with 
what I was going through. I mean, sure. I mean, I lost a lot of stuff in two years. I mean, you, you, and it creeps up on you. All this stuff will creep up on you. So it was tough on her. And I think just, the, just going through the the custody deal with my son, that, that sucked the life out of me, too. Oh, I'm sure. So there were times where I was just like, okay, if, if I don't wake up, maybe it's a good thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not where I wanted to be. It's definitely not where I wanted to be. And there were times where I would sit there and think about who I, you know, the guy I was. You know, I was always happy. I was always, you know, up in arms and, you know, excited about yeah. doing things and just to end up in the heat that I was in. It was very alarming to me, too, you know. And sure. that was that was one of the things that actually helped, helped, you know, get me sober and get me better was like, dude, this is not who I am. Yeah. You know, this is, I've never, this is never who I've been and I need to work to get back to where I need to be and where I want to be. Right. You know? Right. And it's, it's funny cause I say work. A lot of people don't know what that consists of working on, on myself mentally has been as is, is, is much of, you know, say you're going to PT and you're working out every day. You know, working in my brain is, is a part of my life every day. Right. And, it should be, you know, you have to work on your mental health. Agreed. And that, that comes with, you know, the material I'm reading. It comes with getting out, getting into the gym and, and clearing your head, uh, you know, doing meditations, 12 step meetings. If that's, you know, the avenue you want to go to, you got to find things to work your mind. Yeah. And instead of putting alcohol in my brain and negative thoughts in my brain, I'm putting more positivity into my brain and I'm working you know, my mental fitness just as much as I work anything. Right. Um, and it's work. Downloading the amount of baggage I've downloaded in, uh, in therapy um, and group therapy I was in was huge. You know, um, I was blaming myself for a lot of things that I couldn't control. You know, losing my, my mom was, was one of them. Um, not being the perfect warrant officer for the Army was another thing I was working on. Um a lot of those stressors that I was stressing myself out for no reason with, you know, a lot, downloading that baggage is, is very liberating and it's, it's very instrumental to, you know, my, my success now and, and being, you know, healthy, both physically and mentally. Um, and it, it does, it does take more work than a lot of people may think it does. I feel like um, that thought though, too, of, downloading your baggage and coming to terms with these things is is a really scary thing to think about oh yeah it, yeah <sighs> it definitely is because we we all think we're we all think we're i guess you could say flawless yeah absolutely believe that oh i you don't want to believe that you have all these issues yeah but once you scratch that surface and you're like yeah you know i need to i need to change the way i think in this process yeah i wish i could get a little more into detail of it but you know, we kind of, I can only speak for myself. I see, I, I kind of pick up a little perfectionist or a little perfectionist symptoms in me. Oh, I'm the same I'm, way. I don't need to, I don't need to operate like that. You know, <laughs> it, it's all I do is stress myself out with it. Yeah. Um, so being able to, to fix that is just one of the little things that go in that, you know, that you take off from yeah. that baggage. Um, interesting. Losing my mom was something I, I definitely needed to get rid of because that was something I didn't have any control over. And yeah, I could beat myself up and say, well, I should have made more time with her. But, you know, my mom wouldn't want me to think like that either. Right. And um, not something I need to beat myself up over. You know, going to court with my ex-wife, 
I mean, it's it's out of my hands now. It's over, you know, and I still get, I still have time with my son and I was beating myself up over not having him every day. Well, that's out of my hands. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of those things that, you know, going to, you know, therapy definitely helped me out with. And, you know, going in there with an open mind definitely helped out as well. Now, so what was your view on behavioral health care before all of this happened? I was uh, I was absolutely terrified <laughs> to go get help, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Part of that is my my pri- my own individual pride, you know, thinking that I didn't need help. Yeah. Um, but also admitting, too, 20, I think is hard. Yeah. Yeah. You spend some time in the military. I mean, you could probably use a little bit of therapy. <laughs> I mean, that's just all there's you know, we're, we're, we're asked to do a lot of a lot of things that not a lot of other people are. Yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time detached from your family. Uh, you spend a lot of time detached from what's going on in the everyday world when you get deployed. Um, I mean, yeah, everybody could do, do, a li- you know, well with a little bit of, uh, you know, talking with outside source or whatnot. Right. But I, it, it was just something I was not interested in doing at all. You know, when I started going, I, I started feeling, you know, better. Yeah. And it's not something that just happened. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, I went to therapy today. I feel better. (laughs) I started listening to what my therapist would tell me. And I started, you know, doing exercises that he would prescribe. And I started listening to his advice. Um, And then going to group therapy, you know, where I'm with a bunch of other soldiers, where I'm hearing other soldiers out and, you know, what, what their issues are and how they're tackling their issues. Um, that stuff helps, you know, it gives you, it gives you food for thought and it gives you a different perspective on how to manage, you know, a problem that you may have. Um, the group, the the group therapy I've done, you know, with other service members is probably the best. Uh, it's probably done the most for me. Um, you know, I, I I was in, in therapy with, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen that are, you know, colonels, lieutenant colonels privates, you know, sergeants. Um, so it doesn't discriminate on rank and you right. get your perspective from everybody. And you're not alone. Um, and yeah, you're definitely not alone. You know, you're, you're, you're there, you're supported. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy talking to these people. Um, it's, it's just been, the whole thing's been great, you know, and now did you, I think, I think it's definitely, it's definitely worth exploring if, if, if you know, if, if other people are having some of the same issues I was having and, you know, they feel like they can't talk to somebody about it. You can definitely talk to, you know, the people that you're there with. Right. Now, did you have any concern when you started going to behavioral health of what others might think, like, in your command? No. At, at that point, um, at that point, I was pretty low. Okay. You know, at, at that point, I was willing to do anything. You know, okay. Once you get arrested, your options are really good <laughs> on the table. Yeah. Um. And once you're feeling the way I was feeling, I mean, there's, you can either get help or you can be a statistic, Yeah. you know, and the help is there. I don't want to be a statistic, um, at all because, you know, I, I have value as a person and, you know, I have, like I said, I, I have a ton of things I want to, I want to do and I want to see and you can get the help or you can, you cannot get the help, right. you know, but the help is there and the, the help is good help. Right. I mean, I, I was out of options, you know, I was so mentally bankrupt that I was willing to do whatever I, I needed to do to get on the right track. At that point, what everybody else thought about me was irrelevant. Right. 
and my chain of command was was stellar. You know, I I, I can't awesome. say. I mean, my my commander, you know, former commander now, Captain Daniel Mackey, was amazing through my whole this whole process with yeah. me going um, into these programs. You know, supporting me. Uh, she was like my biggest cheerleader, which was which was awesome because I didn't expect any of that. And a, a lot of people say they care. But she really went out there and showed that she cared about my well-being and the well-being of my family. So it was it was. I mean, and, and it was it was great. It was yeah. great to not have a governor on me wanting to get help. It was great to go in there with an open mind and not care about what anybody else thought. Because at the end of the day, you I, you got to think about this too. The army is just one percentage of my life. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be in the army one day. You know, everybody's got an expiration date in the army. To me, if I can walk into a facility to go get help as a chief warrant officer and then everybody else should be able to as well right you know yeah and i was i was in those facilities with you know like i said colonels you know lieutenant colonels sergeant majors i mean there, there comes a point in time where you got to stop thinking about what everybody thinks of you right and you got to start doing what, what you what you need to do is right for you right so, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share whatever story I have with anybody um, <laughs> because it needs to be heard. It, it definitely needs to be heard. I agree. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I didn't have any more, uh, I didn't have any more, you know, luck cards or I didn't have any <laughs> more lies I could, you know, throw in front of people to make them think I was fine. You know, I was broke and I, and I definitely needed that help. And now, so was the arrest your tipping point? It was a factor of it for sure. Okay. Um, it's not normal behavior to get arrested. Well, right. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely not in a, not a, a leader in the army for sure. Um, and so that was just yeah, one thing that helped you decide that you needed to reach out for help. It, it, it was it, that coupled with my health was, was okay. a major deciding factor, you know, and then just, I never pictured, you know, you never picture that. You never picture that. Yeah. I never picture that in my entire life. And, you know, I, would, I was thinking about, you know, dude, if my mom was here right now, she'd be, uh-huh. be upset with me. You know, that was, that was really, really big, too. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was awakening. They say uh, one of the things I heard in, in therapy was you're, you're either going to end up in a jail or an institution. Yeah. You know, if you keep going down the route you're going. Or dead. And I didn't want that to be me. Or dead, for sure. Yeah. yeah definitely a huge possibility. Absolutely. Um. So I, I, I definitely, it was, it was definitely helpful to get me back on the right track, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so can you talk about your experience in the rehab facility? Because you went for depression and alcoholism and it was 32 days, correct? Right, right. And so what was that like? It was, it was, I want to sit here and say like, it was amazing. I'm just going to tell you that. It was amazing. Um it gave me time to focus on me for the first time in my adult life. Right. Um, 30, you know, you, you don't know what you can do for yourself in a month and a half. You know, uh, just the, you're going to counseling daily. Um, you're, 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 you're talking to people who had the same problems that you have or who may not have the same problems. Some people are there for different reasons. It was amazing. It was, it was, a, it was eye opening and B, it was just, it was life changing for me. Because I knew that I don't have to be defined by drinking alcohol and I don't have to be defined by, you know, my problems. 
you know, I could get past all these and I just needed some time to focus solely on those problems. And going to this facility for a month allowed me to do that for that time frame. I focused on nothing but getting better, you know, and it was, it was top notch. Um, no bones about it. Um, on my free time, I was, you know, cause I, yeah, I write poetry as well. You know, I wrote a poetry book. Wow. I, you know, did a lot of working out, worked on communication with, uh, with my wife, you know, started looking at things in a different lens. Yeah. And I mean, it, it takes you out of your element. It's very uncomfortable, but once you embrace that uncomfort, because, you know, fixing issues in your life is, is going to be uncomfortable. Sure. Once I made that a point and I said, okay, you know, let me go in here with open arms and, and, and see what happens. Um, I mean, it was, it was of benefit. It was of, of benefit in every way. And I think that's what you have to do too. Um, I think you, when you get to that point, you've, you've got to be like, all right, this is where I'm at. I can either keep denying that I have a problem or I can open up and say, okay, let me take this all in and let me better myself. And then seeing the growth in your peers too, because um, like I said, you're there with with folks who are in the military. Yeah. Um, and seeing them hit those little benchmarks that that you know they had in their life empowers you to get past your stuff too. Right. Um, and that that's it was it was a great experience, you know. And, and I could see why a lot of people would be skittish about it, but it was it was amazing. I can't say one bad thing about it. Pretty much, you, you do a lot of activities, and then you're in, you know you're you're in your support group for you know three hours a day. Then you get a lot of academics, so you're getting classes on what drugs and alcohol potentially do to your you know to your body. You're getting advice on how to manage depression. Um, you're getting advice on you know creating better sleeping habits and, and better lifestyle habits. So it, it was not only are you getting support that you need, but you're getting academically smart in these areas as well. Right. And now, so you, you are currently enrolled in intensive outpatient therapy through Sudsy. And so what does that entail? So I actually just finished that program. Oh, okay. But, but, you have the option to stay in it if you like. So I, I stayed in it um, because reinforcement to me is important. Sure. And you don't know. I, I, to me, I don't need to get complacent with my therapy at all. Right. Um, it's just like, like I said, it's just like going to the gym. So it, you're, we, I do a support group every week with, fellow, with you know, my fellow soldiers here at Fort Lee. Um, and we, we get the academics and then we get to discuss. You know, I find myself giving out a lot of advice to younger soldiers on um, red, you know, red flags that I, I may see in them, and it's kind of the same advice I would give to my soldiers in garrison or you know, while deployed. If I see a change in your your duty, you know, in how you're performing your duties, um, or changes in your your overall attitude, um, I'm going to address it. So some of the the people I'm in, you know, in, in the therapy with, they'll explain situations and you're there to give advice and you, you might just find them giving you advice on something you, you you're, you're trying to tackle as well. So it's a, it's a great environment to be in. Um, and I, I usually go about once a week. It's, it's two hours every Friday. Um, and it's just reinforces a lot of the things I learned in therapy. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been of added benefit. All right. 
And now, so why do you think it's important to share your story and to continue talking about it? The Army is, is it's already a high-stress job. We already know that. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your MOS is. It doesn't matter what position you're in. Um, you don't need to make things harder on it by racking up, you know, your problems outside of the uniform. You know, uh, I, I shouldn't have to go home and combat a bunch of problems in my personal life and balance that with this, you know, high-stress job as it is. Right. You know, so it's it's important to identify these issues in your life it's important to tackle these issues and it's important to build foundations on how to prevent them from happening again. And I get a trauma is a trauma is not, you know, it's unavoidable, you know, little things like, you know, my mom, you know, passing away. I, I, I couldn't, I, I can't fix that, but there are certain things that I could do to reinforce, you know, my, my way of positive thinking and not getting down and drinking and whatnot. Um, there's plenty of things I, I can do to prevent that from happening because that's just going to make my life harder. Right. Um, getting a, I mean, mental fitness is just as important as physical fitness. Right. And, and weapons maintenance. You don't, Somebody said that exactly. to me once. Yep. And just like, I don't carry about a, I don't carry around a bunch of excess supply at work. I'm not going to carry, I don't, I don't think I need to carry a bunch of excess you know, bad feelings and, and, and hard times either. Right. You know, you, you can get past that. And it's one thing we really need to hit on is, you know, staying on top of that. How do I balance that? And how do I fix it? You know, and it, it, one of the biggest things I can tell, uh, you know, other people is if you're a leader in the military, don't marginalize your people's issues. You know, everybody has different strengths and different weaknesses. Yeah. I was in therapy with a guy who was a Navy SEAL probably as tough as you can get and he's in there for the same reason that I am in it. Yeah. Um, so don't marginalize your soldier struggles because everybody's got them. Absolutely. Um, and learn from, learn from that, you know, learning from your people is going to make you a better leader. It's going to help you identify problems before they become, you know, bigger, bigger issues in the future, but not marginalizing your soldiers uh, when they come to you for help. And maybe you have issues that, you know, you need to fix too as a leader that you can fix because it's just going to make you more effective as well. So definitely you don't need to carry the baggage. You know, the army's already hard. <laughs> we already know that. <laughs> and you don't need to make it harder by making things harder on yourself. You know, yeah. so now, I guess that's the best way I can explain it. Now, looking back, do you, do you think there was ever a time that somebody could have been like, Hey, is everything okay? Or do you feel like you mas- masked what was going on pretty well? I was a little too good at masking my problems. I'll tell you that right now. And okay. that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, and if, if I was good at it, then a lot of other people are, uh, are, are good at it as well. Right. Um, my, my biggest thing is the, the colonels, lieutenant colonels, generals, sergeant majors, you know, that they, they, that's, they're, yeah, they, they're probably going to hide this a lot better than, you know, Private Rivera or Sergeant Rivera would have. Yeah. Um, and they, they deserve to go get the help that they need to because oh, absolutely. they're in those same high stress positions. And, you know, I, I, I mean, me as a chief warrant officer, I mean, like I said, if I'm walking in there, you can walk in there too. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and we shouldn't marginalize our problems. You know, just because 
I think, in my opinion, I think the more rake you get, the easier it is, it is to hide because you're not around. A, you're not around, uh, you know, people like you normally are. And B, you're looked at in a kind of different light, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you're really, I mean, yeah, by that time, you're good at public speaking, so nobody's going <laughs> to pick up hints on your problems. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that's 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 one thing that we all have to be cognizant of. Yeah. Is you never know what's going on in somebody's life because nobody knew what was going on in mine. Right. You know, I had a one of my former brigade commanders not long ago had told me he's like, I would have never expected you to have any of these issues unless you flat out told me about it. Um, because of the persona I give off while I'm at, you know, while I'm wearing my uniform, while I'm at work, nobody would have known that I was having any of these problems. So. I mean, you got to do your best to identify that without being intrusive. But well, yeah, and that's people, what I was going to ask you. If they want help, yeah, I mean, people, if they want help, they're going to throw those lifelines out there. Um, and you got to pay attention. Dude. You got to take action when you get one. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm saying, dude, I'm, ha- you know, to my one of my battle buddies, I'm having a lot of problems, you know, with my drinking. That could be a cry for help, man. It, it's not necessarily you know, call, call the ambulance for right. them or whatnot, but they could just be looking for somebody to give them the right advice. Um, I think that's important. I, we talk a yeah. lot about, you know, reaching out to our battle buddies and, you know, asking each other how we're doing and getting to know people so that when something is off, you can recognize that. But I think the hard part is, is this mask. And I think social media helps with this mask I think it's really easy to put on a happy face on social media and everything's perfect I mean I'm a mom and half of the pictures I post are my kids smiling but that's not that's not reality so I think it's really easy to hide behind that face and it's it's how do we how do we still help somebody when they have this mask on and do you have any thoughts on that well first we gotta accept the fact that we're human too. Yes, you know, we're, we're we're flawed. We're nobody nobody nobody's bulletproof, you know. Yep. And you, you got to just you, you kind of got to you. Know, there's a lot of ego that goes on. Goes on. You Absolutely. Know, you got to set that to the side, you yeah. know, because I, I I'll, I'll be first to tell you that that was a huge thing for me was setting that ego aside, you know, um, because for whatever reason our culture we. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but a lot. Of, a lot of. A lot of the, uh, what we do in the military, we feel like it's. How do you say it? It, it is us. Yeah. You know, we feel like that. You know, I'm. You know, general so and so or sergeant major so and so. I have to be, like this. Yeah. No, you don't. You know, you, you, that that stuff. All that. All that rank stuff is temporary. Um. You're still human you're still human and you still have to, you, you still can't, uh, I don't, I'm not, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to say this the best way I could possibly say it. <laughs> you you got to put your ego aside and you, and you got to put yourself first. Yeah. You know, when it comes to getting better. Yeah. Um, and, and I think me, in, in the military, you should, I mean, this should be the most transparent job in the world because we're going to war and we're fighting wars. I mean, what you have to be transparent with everybody. Yeah. You know, cause we, we, we have to rely on each other to the detail and have the trust. And if you, yeah, if you're wearing a mask, hiding your issues while we're, you know, gearing up to stage up to go fight a war, 
I mean, that's 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 going to yield problems later, you know, right. that, my, that we may not be able to deal with. Right. Um, so you got to be honest with each other. I mean, that that's one of the biggest things that I, I can say. Yeah. Now, and you had mentioned this before, um, but having uncomfortable conversations, I think that is part of it, too. I think um, if you think maybe somebody might be having an issue with something, you might have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to ask them those questions. And it'll probably be uncomfortable for everybody. But again, it's so important. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, um, because that, that goes into knowing your soldiers. Yeah. And... I think uh, one of the things that that we're not taught in the army is how to have how, how to be personable like that, you know. Because uh, not everybody is, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's really hard to read some people, a, eh? and it's really hard to get some kind of output out of some people as well. You know, yeah. I, I've had I've had bosses that were as dry as the you know as a wood clock. Yeah. That, you know, they would be like, oh, how's your weekend? <laughs> and that's that. But yeah. they're really difficult on asking you things like how your family is. You know, how are you? How are you doing today? Right. Um, just creating avenues for your soldiers to be able to ask, you know, to be able to tell you that. And then creating avenues to ask them, you know, those questions is, is huge yeah. as well. I mean, I, I treat, I, I like to treat my soldiers as they're, as if they're a part of my family. So I encourage that kind of dialogue. Yeah. But not everybody does. Sure. And I think we're one of the things I've seen in the military since I've been in is a lot of people want to pretend like we're a fortune 500 company. We're not, (laughs) we're in the business of getting on airplanes and going to handle problems around the world. And you have to have a certain confidence and you have to have a certain trust in those people who are, you're going to these engagements with sure you know you can't we can't just say hey you know i'm gonna turn you off at 1700 and pretend like you're not there no we're part of each other's day-to-day lives yeah whether we want to believe that or not and having open communication and open dialogue is i mean it's paramount right on me being able to level with you and tell you what problems I'm having in my life. Well, and you want to know that somebody's head's in the right space too, right? I mean, right. you want to know that the person next to you is going to be able to do what they need to do at the right time and that their head isn't somewhere else. Definitely. <laughs> <For> <laughs> sure. And in what really made me think of that is um have you watched the Olympics at all? The whole Simone Bile thing where Biles thing um, where she was like, my head just wasn't there. And I, you know, when I was twisting up in the air, I didn't know where I was. And I think that that kind of relates to our soldiers in the army. If your head's not there and you're, you know, you're holding a weapon, you've got to be you've got to be there or something catastrophic could happen. And that definitely goes back to I mean, we could pretend we could pretend the public is like the military. Um, she was she was attacked for saying, "Hey, look, I'm not in the right frame." Of I know, yeah. That's where we kind of need to get away from. Agreed completely. You know, if if one of your soldiers comes up to you and says, "Hey, look, I'm having a, a substantial issue right now," I don't need to say, "Well, suck it up, get back, and get back in line," you or know? "You're a quitter." Yeah, exactly. I need to address that so we can get you back in the fight. Yeah, I uh, know. I had a really hard time with that. That's a huge lesson learned. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we always say if you have a broken bone, you go to the doctor. And now here's this person who's saying, I am not in the right headspace, but we're all like, no, you're a quitter. And it's just... Well, and then think think about the how vulnerable she was. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, On a national stage. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big deal. And, and for her to get judged like that was ridiculous. And yeah. But I do think it opened up a lot of eyes to... And, I think it it informed a lot of people of, you know, this is actually a thing. We need we can't we can't act like this. I think she did a lot for the mental health community. Yeah. And and that's why I bring it up too to when to to everybody who may listen. When your people come to you with problems, don't marginalize them right. and them off. Yeah. Agreed. You know, if you didn't if you didn't want to be, I mean, that's part about being a military leader is knowing your people. And yeah. If you didn't want to know your people, then you don't want to be a military leader. Right. You Agreed. Know, knowing your people is part of the game. Yep. You know, and if if you don't want that, I mean, you, you need to fix yourself because <laughs> my people are the most important thing to me. Yeah. And they should be. And that's not just a catchphrase that we're saying in the Army. You know, you need to put your people first. Yeah. I mean, if if we're saying it, we need to apply it greatly. Yeah. People like to know that they are, you know, on the same level as you or you think of them as a a person as well and not just a soldier. Well, then you got to think about the parents, too, that are entrusting us with their children. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, my my stepson just got back from Iraq not long ago. Oh, wow. I, I wanted to make sure that he was in the best hands humanly possible. Yeah. Before he went, and you know, we we gotta we gotta keep that into account that we're representing not only the country but these families that that trust us with what we do are are trusting us with our children. Yeah, as well. that's a really good point. So you wouldn't feel like you wouldn't feel great if you know your child was calling you and saying that, hey, I'm having this problem, and my you know my squad leader, my first sergeant, or, or so and so blew me off. You know, probably make it mad. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely need to do a little better, you know, a lot better there. Right, I agree. So I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to ask one final question, and it's really, what is your bottom line, upfront message for other soldiers? Don't carry the baggage that you don't need to carry. The facilities are here for us to use, and you're gonna get you're gonna get out of it what you put into. When you ask for help, go into it with you know with a positive mindset. You know it's not gonna it, nothing's gonna get fixed over time. You got to put in the work, but the help is there and it's good help. And I'm living proof of that. I was as low as you can you can get, and I can only speak for myself. And, you know, there are people out there who are probably you know have their own fights and whatnot, but my fight was was great. It was beating me. And I was letting it beat me. You don't have to put yourself through that. And you definitely don't have to, you know, mask your your your, your issues with alcohol. That's just going to make everything worse. Right. You know, if you're having issues, please get some help. And it's there. And just know what it is. If you got to call me on the phone, you know, <laughs> call. I'll, I'll talk to you. Yeah. But That's the help awesome. is there. It's there for us. The more we create the awareness that it's there, the more prone people are going to be to use it and the less we're going to have to worry about, you know, the 22 a day right. or, or, you know, all this bad morale in, 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 in the formations because people don't think we care about them. Right. You know, get the help, use it, 
um, and, and go in there with open mind and work. I mean, you got to put the work in. It's, you're going to put yourself in some uncomfortable, uncomfortable spots and situations, but it's worth it. All right. Well, I think that's great. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and me and being open to talking about it. Um, I really appreciate your time and um, I appreciate your story and you sharing it. So thank you. I appreciate you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Our conversation continues later this month with our second suicide prevention episode. We are talking to the Force.com Suicide Prevention Response and Analysis Coordinator, Kelsey Hurt, and retired Command Sergeant Major Jason Van Cleek, who we met in May. In the meantime, get all of your Force.com news on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll see you next time on the front line.